one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay i want to bring a message today from the 90 and 91st psalm now these two psalms are just sweet hiding places for god's people now i realize that uh, we're in the shadow of 2,000 or more men that have missed the way. And because they didn't find a hiding place, Uncle Sam built a hiding place for them and put them around walls and hard places. And dear friend, I'm glad that by the grace of God, I'm able to be outside today. And yet I'm conscious of the fact that there's not a man in the federal penitentiary just a block or two from here that has ever done anything that it would not be possible for me to do. I believe I'm capable of committing any crime that's ever been committed. These men, and I've spoken to them many times, these men are made out of the same kind of dirt that I'm made out of. They have the same likes and dislikes, I mean, because they live in the flesh. And I have a fleshly body, but I'm just as convinced as I'm standing here that Christ is all they need. I mean, no more, no less than just Christ. He can take the worst prisoner. I'm thinking of one now that had killed seven men. I mean, seven men. Two on the outside, and then he didn't get enough look like of bloodshed, and he killed five more when he got inside. And yet, as I've announced on another service and gave an experience about this man, he's preaching the gospel today outside. Outside. After he'd killed seven people, stayed in solitary, one cell for 14 years, the Lord slipped the word of God to him. And the word of God got inside that old criminal and took out that old murdering heart and put him in a brand new heart. And now he's telling the sweet story of Christ across the country. That's right. Well, now listen. What God has done for him, he could do for everyone if they put their trust in him. And I wonder, I wonder as I stand here with my mind crossing those old walls just a few blocks from here, you reckon how many people are there because some Christian didn't do his best? How many are there because some church did not keep its light burning? How many are there because some mother and some daddy would not have family altar, would not read the Word of God with those children? I don't believe anybody plans to be a criminal. I don't believe anybody plans to be a sinner. You don't have to plan to be a sinner. You're born that way. Fact is, you have to make some plans not to be a sinner and to come to Christ. Now you have your Bible. 
Let's look, please, and we'll not preach long in this message, but we want to give you some things concerning our hiding place. Lord, verse 1, chapter 9, 0, 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, that means there never has been but one dwelling place. There's never been but one hiding place. We don't have a new God. We don't have a new way. We just have an old way. Remember the old song we used to sing, there's an old, old way by an old, old cross, and its way is narrow and straight, but it leads up home to the great white throne where the saints in glory wait. And that's it. That's the only road I know of that's going to take me home. I don't want to ever be tied on to anything that the devil's not against. And if you're living in this world without conflict, you're lined up solid with the devil. Put her down. The devil is going to oppose anything that's of God. So he said, Lord, that's been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. You want to know how old God is? That's it. That's how old God is. He goes from everlasting to everlasting. Now, I didn't start out as soon as God, but I'm going to live as long as God. Isn't that a thought for you? Can you imagine? Because, you see, he was everlasting before I ever got started. So he got a head start on me. But he gave me everlasting life because that's the only kind he's got. If you got your life from the Lord, brother, you got everlasting life. And that's reading, that's reading the writer said, I know that whatsoever the Lord doeth, it shall be forever. That's reading he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the kind of God. I tell you, it's wonderful to know that salvation is not a foot race between man and the devil. Because I tell you, I may be pretty fast, and I may run a mile every day, and, uh, but I'll guarantee you one thing, I can't outrun the devil. But I know one thing, I don't have to outrun him. I can just by faith turn Jesus loose on him, and he'll take care of him. And I mean that, and I'll guarantee you one thing, he's the only one that can defeat him. Nobody else out here, people say, well, I think I'll just whip the devil. You won't whip nothing unless the Lord gives you power, see? I mean, it's Jesus, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so he said, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Dear friends, let's talk about God dying. Talk about God, we don't need God anymore, and God's obsolete. And uh, there was a time when God was, but not anymore. And we don't even need God. Listen, anybody talks like that, you talk about blind. Can you imagine? The world was never so close to complete destruction as it is right now. There was never such wholesale violence and murder and sin and brokenness and shattered hopes as now. And then some of the stupid religious idiots have said, no need for God anymore. Man has gotten smart enough now to take care of himself, and he's finally got smart enough to kill himself. That's exactly how smart man is today. But I'm glad God's God. I want to give you two thoughts. Number one, there never was a time when God was not and when God wasn't God. Now, you remember that. I mean before the sun, with all of its majestic light, and before thousands of... Did you know 
that hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of miles away from the sun, great flames of fire are leaping just as strong as they did when he put out his central heating unit. That's right. Man thought he made the first central heating unit. Why, brother, you ought to be ashamed to be that ignorant. God made a central heating unit. It heats the whole world. I'll guarantee you if God were to just cut off his fire in the sun, every last one was freeze to death in a little while. You couldn't raise one cucumber. And yet people say we don't need God. We better keep God around a while, brother. And brother, when God plays out, I don't want to be around, I'll tell you that. But ah, uh, listen, God's not going to play out until everlasting to everlasting plays out. And when forever is over, I'll be over. He said I had forever life. I've got eternal life. When eternity plays out, then I'm going to play out. Dear friends, these little old watches, this little stopwatch, it'll stop one of these days. That's right. It won't ever start no more either. And this Acatron deal, I tell you, uh, it, it won't, Mr. Bullivant, he won't sell me no more watches when eternity starts. I'll be on time everywhere because it won't be no time. Just be eternity. Hey, have you ever thought about that? I mean, just think what we're heading toward. I woke up this morning thinking about flying. You know, I do a lot of flying, and i got some to do yet. I mean, the Lord willing, and a lot of travels, thousands of miles ahead just uh, uh, the next few days and weeks and into old Texas and Kansas and Florida and Virginia and all around. And every once in a while, uh, you get in trouble. I've gotten in trouble a lot of times in the air, and it's serious trouble. You know, I, I think about... Uh, Every once in a while, they gave a weather report and said, talk about serious clouds. Well, I've run into some awful serious clouds. I mean, uh, they, they're not the kind of serious they're talking about. But um, I've, I've called up uh, approach control or radar, terminal radar, and they'd ask you some questions. You know what they ask you? They'd say, uh, what's your heading? Where are you heading anyhow? I'm going to preach a sermon on this one day. I'd like to know where you head. I don't care much about where you've been. I want to know where you're heading. And then another question they ask is, what's your altitude? I mean, how high are you off of the, off the ground? What are they doing? They're going to try to protect me. I wonder if God's not asking this morning, you better check your altitude. You could crash any time. You know it? I mean, if you get too close to the earth, you're going to crash. And if you get too close to the filth of this old world, you're going to have a head-on collision. And then they ask me sometimes this, what are your intentions? I mean, what do you intend to do? And I'd say, well, my intentions are to get somewhere and get on the ground. And they said, all right. And then another question they'll ask you is this. Are you efficient enough to do what we tell you to do? In other words, can you look at your panel and see those instruments? And if we tell you to fly 126 degrees, uh, then are you, are you able to do it? If we tell you to turn uh, 90 degrees to the left, can you do it? Now, the question is, are you willing and are you able? They said, if you are, we'll bring you in. Now, dear friends, I've got a question to ask you this morning in this storm-tossed generation when violence covers the face of the earth. Rivers out of bank, drought. It'd been so dry there wasn't a sprig of grass that would grow for nearly six months. And now then, water everywhere, washing houses away, and people have died, and little children are hungry. Dear friends, everything's out of kelter in this country because man's out of kelter. 
And when man gets a wrong relationship to God, everything goes out of joint like a jointed snake. And it's not the ground, and it's not the sun, and it's not the stars or the moon, and it's not the weather. It's man. Man's guilty of sin. And until man gets right with the Lord, things are never going to settle down. Man's attitude is wrong. Man's relationship is wrong. And listen, I'm going to make another statement, and this is the reason that everything's fixed like it is. The fellowship of God's people is wrong. The fellowship is bad between people and God and between the people and the churches and between denominations. There's hatred and bigotry and misunderstanding, and because we all got out of kilter with God, then we don't love one another. That's the reason these men are branded hopeless in the penitentiary. Practically nobody on earth would want to hire one of them if he got out this morning. Nobody would trust them because we do not have anything to offer them in the way of a real born-again, spirit-filled, wonderful deliverance that comes from the Lord. All right, let's read on. He said, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Verse 8, Thou set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Think about that. How many secret sins do you have? What are your secret sins today? Oh, you'd say, well, I sure wouldn't tell you. Well, I'll tell you one thing, dear friend. I don't need to know them, and I wouldn't want to know them. Fact is, I've already had too many secret sins told me anyhow. I think sometimes it's not healthy and not good. That's the reason you'd not catch me laying on the couch telling all my secret sins to some psychiatrist. I've already told them to my best friend. His name's Jesus, and I know he won't tell nobody. And I really believe if we'd come clean with God and go lay on uh, our face before God instead of a couch before man and let Jesus know all of our secret sins and say, Lord, I want you to forgive me and cleanse me, I believe he'd shock the devil out of us. Don't you? Amen. And that's the shock treatment we need today. I remember, listen, I, I, I tell you, this week, this week, the Lord's permitted me to give the shock treatment to a bunch of people. And they told me. They, they came to me and said, Brother Olaf, I'm giving up. I mean, the Lord has reminded me of my sin. I've turned my back on it. It's gone. man came to me last night and said, I said, how are you? He said, I'm a lot better than I was when I came. Wasn't that good? Well, I said, praise the Lord. And he looked it too. He was happy. See, he, the, the Lord did something to him. See, blessed his life and his soul. And he went away rejoicing in the Lord. Well, he said, he set my secret sins in the light of thy countenance. He said, verse 10, the days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it's soon cut off, and we fly away. We're flying out of here. We're going to catch a plane, a spiritual plane out of here. And dear friends, here's the truth. Your plane is going to carry you below, or it's going to carry you above. Now, I'm going to heaven when I leave here, and uh, people that are not saved are going to go to hell when they leave this old world. Now then, I want you to notice verse 14, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. You know what that means, daddies and mothers? It means that we are to receive the mercy of Christ early and then not waste any of our days. Notice, he said, Satisfy us early with thy mercy, and nobody's ever satisfied down here until they receive the mercy of the Lord. Then what happens? 
Why, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. That means on Monday. That means every day in the week. We're glad all our days. Wouldn't that change this world up if everybody was glad every day in the week? No fretting, no chafing. He said, make us glad. And then he said, verse 17, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Now let's skip to the 91st chapter and look at these wonderful verses. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now may I remind you that that's the only place there is to hide. He said, he that dwelleth, where? In the secret place. Now I'm going to make it as practical as I believe I can on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. Do you have a secret place? I'm asking you a question down the yard. You have to raise your hand or stand up or walk down the aisle. I want to know, do you have a secret place where you go and meet with the Lord? Do you hide away with Jesus? Ah, listen, I believe that every day, every Christian ought to have a secret place where he goes, talks to the Lord. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Now, I know he means more than that. I know that now the secret place really is Jesus. Isn't it strange that it's still a secret? Isn't that tragic? that Jesus is a secret. The average person doesn't know beans about Jesus. Did you know that this Bible is a secret book? It's a book of secrets. Why? Because man hadn't tried to find them. Now, I've got good news for you. The Holy Spirit knows all of God's secrets. Think about that. I've got a way of finding out all of God's secrets that he wants me to know. Now, no doubt he's got some secrets that he's going to reserve for eternity and I'll get those later. But the Holy Spirit came into me and told me, he said, listen here, I know all the secrets that you need to know. I said, really? Uh, isn't it, doesn't, doesn't it make you raise your eyebrows when somebody said, would you like to know a secret? I don't know why it'd be a secret to tell everybody, but the Holy Spirit says, I know the secret. Now, listen, you won't have any trouble finding out God's secrets if you dwell in the secret place. That's why you, he didn't say I visit over there. He said, I've moved in. I've unpacked my suitcase. I'm not even in an Airstream trailer traveling across. I mean, I've moved into the secret place. I dwell there. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most, uh, there it is, the secret place of the most high. Well, I'd rather be there than to live in the White House. Really? I mean, I don't mean to criticize at all. I've never been to the White House, but I'd rather live in the lighthouse than the White House. I mean, by that, I want the light in my house, don't you? And he that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, what are you going to say? Well, he said, let me say it. Well, I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge. He's my refuge. Storm or no storm, he's my refuge. Ms. Roloff and I were talking on the phone and she's kind of ridden out the storm, you know, in our little house out at 429 Naples. She decided not to go anywhere, just stay there. She said, I, she sent our little daughter home with her husband who flew down and got her and uh, fam and children and said, I just decided I'll stay here and keep the buckets under the leaks. And so she did, but she and I were talking on the phone the other night and she said, honey, they, they talk about going, the, the planes, you see, the reconnaissance planes or whatever they call them, they flew into the storm at, at, at 10 o'clock at night, right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it. They flew into the storm. I mean, it was 150 to 70 miles an hour, and they flew into that kind of swirling, swishing, powerful 
wind, see? But said when they get into the center of the storm, there's a great calm. There's a great calm. Said they go inside the storm, the old plane levels off. She's pitching and bucking and rearing, and, and all those old instruments are kicking upside one down the other. And in a minute, they ride into the calm all around. They can look out in the storms everywhere. Those old winds and that wind, listen, is blowing, and even some hailstones were falling in this hurricane and in connection with it, and 15 to 50 cyclones were in the skirts of old wicked bug-eyed Beulah. Hmm? Boy, listen, she was throwing out cyclones like my mama used to throw out seed to the chicken when she's fixing to catch one and kill him, huh? <laughs> Reach in her apron pocket, you know, and throw out corn, you know. Chicken, 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 chicken. And the old chicken didn't have no better sense than to come. First thing you know, one had lost his head. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping all over the yard, and my mama's gone on to get the tea kettle. Amen? <laughs> well, some of you up-to-date city slickers don't know what I'm talking about. But I can admit, and that's the way old Beulah was doing it. She's reaching in that little bony, devilish hand and throwing out cyclones, throwing out the cyclone, funnels every which way, 15 or 20 in one day. Ah, listen, dear friends, you better get right with God and find your hiding place. Amen. And from here to the end, you're going to need a hiding place more than you've ever needed it. And I know where it is. It's in Jesus. Amen. It's in Jesus. You Sunday morning church members that come in here, you're going to need a Monday night uh, hiding place, and you're going to need a Saturday morning hiding place, and you're going to need a Sunday night hiding place. And so he said, he that dwelleth in the secret place, why well, he said, I found me a refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. I was up in, I was up in uh, Kingston, Tennessee, and heard that couple saying, my Lord and my God, oh, brother, that thrilled me. I tell you, that man and his wife, red-headed wife, both of them had big old hog-calling voices. You could hear them for, I mean, a country mile, and they sang there about Thomas, you know, when he showed up, when he showed up, and he saw Jesus in the nail-printed hand and hollered, my Lord and my God. And they said, you know, I wasn't there when Thomas met the Savior. I didn't feel the nail print, but by faith I can holler, my Lord and my God today. I can too. Oh, uh, the old psalmist said, I call him my God. In him will I trust. In him will I trust. Oh, he said, surely, surely, brother, we can be sure about it. He'll deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings thou shalt trust. Oh, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Now, that got me last night when I got to that. His truth, his truth will be my shield and buckler. Oh, this old book is so unlimited, inexhaustible, incomparable, and indestructible. Praise God. Every time I read it, I see something else. And he said, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Shield? You know what a shield is? You know what a windshield is? Windshield's up ahead of you, isn't it? What's it supposed to do? Keep out the rocks and the wind. Keep out the storms and the snow. Isn't that right? Listen, flying along in that plane one day, uh, when I had that old 180, I was flying along, everything is peaceful. All of a sudden, I run into a buzzard. Brother, you're going 160, 70 miles an hour, and you hit one of them old black red-headed buzzards, you don't watch like running into a mountain nearly. Why, if he hadn't hit that center section in the middle of that old thing, why, he'd have been in my lap. Why, he tore everything loose. I mean, tore the radio gear loose on the outside, and listen, it sounded like I'd had a wreck. I ran into him. But 
I had a shield. My dear friends, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be running into buzzards all the time. Amen? Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. 